Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There. All right. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim Mark. Today it's episode 95, and we're interviewing Tammy S. How are you doing, Tammy? I'm great, thank you. And how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm excited to do the interview. So let's dive in and get started. Tell me about growing up. Um, I grew up on a reservation and it was very rough. I come from a very bad um, alcoholic family, both sides. Um, Who was alcoholic? Both my parents and my grandparents on both sides. Oh, wow. And we all, we all lived in a little town in Algonquin Park, Ontario. And I was shifted around from aunts and uncles all my life until I was 16. So I don't, I didn't know what family meant until I had my own family. What was it like growing up bouncing between all those houses? It was very awful because I was away from my culture. I, I grew up in foster care for 10 years with my culture. But then in the summertime, Get out of the culture and put with a like a like just a normal family, and didn't get the traditional foods or teaching, so it was very hard. Um, you got in foster care. I don't know about there, but here in Canada, you get treated differently than the other children. So there was a how lot of so, abuse. How do they treat you differently? Well, there was a lot of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse from the parents. Um, you got shifted around and if you didn't like, say you didn't like something, they always fed you differently. We, I ate a lot of peanut butter, hot dogs and craft dinner while their kids got steak and potatoes. Um, you weren't sent to school with lunches. You know, if you got a lunch, it was peanut butter and jam. Um, just a lot of abuse. And I remember being so hungry that I went to church and I used to tell the ladies that I loved them just so I could get a free meal from the ladies group at the Catholic church in downtown, uh, in Etobicoke in Toronto. So, you know, I had to learn to survive at the age of nine on my own. My parents were never home. They uh, got me back when I was 13 and it just, it was awful. It was awful, the drinking and the drugs and the things I saw at an early age. Um, what kind of things would you see? My mom, my mom had a revolving door. She had a different guy or a different woman in the house every night in her bed. And um, my dad was a trucker. They were divorced by the time I was 13. My dad was a trucker and he was never around. Was your mom... Was your mom promiscuous or did she prostitute herself? Um, when I, my mom's passed away now from addiction. She died 24 years ago at the age of 46, but she was, I think she was a prostitute. 
when I think about it now, I think she was a prostitute because, you know, it was different guys or a different woman every night. And she was at the bar every night. You know, I had to fend for me and my baby brother. You know, I learned how to cook at the age of nine. And we would tell the teachers at school, but back then it wasn't talked about. You stayed at home. And when I turned 16, I took my baby brother. I got a job and I raised him. He still lives with my son now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was hard. It was hard, the rapes and the incest. My mother would allow mom, her one brother to continuously um, rape me. And that went on for, yeah, went on for months. And then I ran away. And when I ran away, that's when I met my best friend, Lisa, 42 years. And um, her mom took me in for 10 years and she's native. And I got the traditional teachings and the traditional love that I needed. And she taught me self-respect. She taught me that, you know, drugs and alcohol are wrong. And I kept those teachings with me in my heart for a very long time until I left my husband and my first husband in 2006. I never did drugs before that, never drank. My addiction started when I was 35. And I'm, it was pure pressure, but I could have said no, but I was wild. You know, I was with the same man for 23 years. I had two children and they were grown. And I was on my own and I was asked to try something, the drug of my choice. And I tried it and I loved it right off the bat. I was in full-fledged addiction at 35 after trying it once. And that went on for 10 years. 10 years I did that roller coaster. So leading, and, up, leading up to that, were you ever married? Yeah, I was married for five years to my kid's father we were together 23 years and I left in 2006 and then I had a four-year common law relationship with the guy that I introduced me to drugs and alcohol and then my current husband of 12 years or nine years so we've been together 12 years he got me clean he helped me he never he never degraded me he never um told me I had to stop or he'd leave. I just wanted what he had. Freedom to go wherever you want and not be ashamed and walk your head high. When I was in addiction, I stayed in my house. I never left. I didn't go nowhere. Yeah, I say that all the time. It seemed to be a lonely place to be. It was very lonely. I only had him and I had friends when he was at work. But when I think about it, they were my friends. They were there for one reason and one reason only. Tammy had everything. I had I had the booze. I had the drug of choice. You know, I'm the one with the money because he has a good job. And <clears throat> I made myself a prisoner in my own home. I was very lonely in addiction. August 30th of 2016, I looked, uh, August 1st of 2016, I looked at him. I said, I'm done. I can't live this no more. This isn't me. I worked for fire, police, and ambulance back in Welland before addiction. And I said, here I am. 
doing everything that's wrong. How do I stop? And that's when I knew I had to, I, I picked up my first copy of a, of a nominous group book and I. Oh, you muted yourself. You hit mute, Tammy. Tammy, you hit mute. Tammy, you hit the mute button. All right, we're back. Had a little bit of a technical issue there, everyone. So, Tammy, when you were growing up and the stuff was happening as far as the incest and the molestation and the rape, did you ever, were you too young to realize you could have called the police? Were you too young for that or did you try? No, I was told that my uncle told me that's the way men are going to love me. And if I told anybody, then I would never see my baby brother again. And my baby brother's my life. So you didn't tell anybody at all? I told I told Julia, and um, she's the one that took care of me, my best friend's mother. But in our culture, incest is kept quiet, very quiet. They they'll the aunts and uncles, and the aunties and the uncles will take you away from the situation as much as they can, but no police involved. Is, is that something that's common in your community? Yes, very common. That's a sad thing. Now, now people speak up. But back in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't talked about. You don't, you don't mention it. How did this all make you feel? What did you feel? What did, what did you feel because you couldn't tell anybody? I felt very dragged out. I remember always walking with my head down. I was very, I felt dirty. I felt unloved by my mom because she would stand there and let it happen. Felt very unloved. I thought a mother was supposed to nurture you and take care of you, but you know, when I had my children, I said nothing would ever happen to them. Like what I was, how I was raised. And it hasn't. My kids are very good, very well off kids. They're rich in love and they give love. I was a very ugly person from it. I remember the prettiest girl could, a movie star would walk on the TV. And I would just come out and say, oh, look at her. She's so ugly. But she'd be the most beautiful woman. Like, I was very ugly inside from it. I wasn't a nice person. You looked at me the wrong way, and I thumped I thumped you one. Like, I was very, I was a bully. I ended up being a bully. I went to private school, and I was a bully. How did and you do? How was school for you? It was rough. I went to private school, and it was rough. Because um, I bullied all the smaller, prettier ones, but the bigger ones bullied me. So it was just a chain reaction. I remember locking a girl in my locker or looking at my boyfriend back then the wrong way. I was very mean to a lot of people in school. Part of me.
And I had one teacher and I still talk to her 37 years later. I'm still good friends with her. And um, she saved me from that. She uh, I had got special classes with her and she helped me through it all with the priests and the uh, nuns. And um, she got me through high school. If it wasn't for her, I would have never graduated. She took the time to care about me like a mother's supposed to. And um, I got pregnant at a young age, I was 21. And her values I put upon my children. I broke that chain reaction with my children. My children were never touched or hit or yelled at, never. No, they got they got their meals a day, good meals a day. They ate healthy. They had nice clothes. Nothing how I was brought up by my parents. Even my baby brother, when I was 16, I took him with me when I left. And I uh, never went back. I never saw my mom from I was 16 till I was 28 when I found out she was in intensive care. She overdosed. And I went to the hospital. And uh, she was she was on machines, machines like there's like six machines running her body, and she was a total vegetable. And we had to pull the plug on her. She only had me and my brother, but she abused us so bad that I just walked out of the hospital and said, "Do what you have to do." I don't know this lady. I haven't talked to her in all these years. So, um, she died alone, unfortunately. So it did affect you. It did. I went for counseling for five years. Okay. I felt I felt like a very ugly person from walking away from the hospital because I shouldn't have. And I went for in depth in, in inner child healing. They called it here, and I went for that for five years. I'm still healing. I still have Zoom meetings every week with three different caseworkers for my journey to heal and stay clean. And I'll continue that for the rest of my life. So at what age did you realize that you had an issue with drugs? And what was what, what, what exactly were your drugs of choice? cocaine and crack started out with cocaine for three years everyday user and 326ers of vodka a day what what age did this all start 35 that's right you said that earlier yeah i was 35 i'm 51 now and um i was told i wasn't gonna live past 46 like my mother if i kept it up from the doctors and I stopped because I want to live I wanted to live but yeah it was 35 when I got introduced to cocaine and three later three years later I was introduced to crack at a party who introduced you to the cocaine um this guy that I was dating because he said after 12 beers I'd fall asleep he goes hey he goes here try this this will keep you awake I said what is that he was just stick the straw in your nose. So I did. <laughs> I was really drunk. Like, whoa, I like that. Can I have some more? <laughs> and you know what? 
I lost my job at the National Network for Mental Health. I lost all the respect of my community in Niagara. And um, I moved from there to get my sobriety because I couldn't get help there. Everybody knew my house was a party house. After that, I gave my children back to my ex-husband and said, I, I'm sick, you have to take care of them until I find, find my way. And when I found my way, it was too late. My kids were already brainwashed. They knew from their father that I was doing cocaine and crack and drinking a lot. And he brainwashed them so bad that it's only been the last six months that I've had my daughter back in my life since she was 18. And I've worked hard to get that. Little bit of respect <laughs> from yeah. her. I was alone. Yeah, it sounds like a, a rough spot to be, especially when you're alone. It's because one of the things that's good to have is a support system. And without that, it's very hard. Like we have four pillars in our program here. And the fourth pillar is community. It's something that you need to build upon. Were there any available meetings close to you? Because I know you kind of live on an island. And no, um, NA was nothing. When I when I wanted, um, when I got into recovery, NA was not very popular. Narcotics Anonymous was not very popular here. AA was, so I was going to AA meetings. But NA has bloomed now. NA's all over the place. And I Zoom NA or any recovery um, program, I will Zoom it now at, at three times a day three times a day of, you gotta check one of ours out yeah i want to you have to send me the link i'd love to i um i i visit a lot of detox centers and do speeches and meetings there to spread the word you know i wouldn't be here today without the the meetings any kind of anonymous meetings um, they all work. If you work it, they work. And I work a hard program. I have a, I have built trust in the community of the Métis Nation of Ontario. And I have a community well-being worker. I have a psychiatrist that I see every four weeks. I see a community well-being worker for my recovery every week. And then I have a mental health and addictions worker that I see every week. And then I have a trauma counselor every week and a healer every week. So every day of the week, I have Zoom on people that are part of my, my self-care about my recovery. And I look forward to these meetings, even the psychiatrist. I love going to see my psychiatrist on Zoom. We have to do Zoom because of COVID-19. Um, we're in our fourth wave right, or sixth wave right now. And in my community, we've had four people sick with it. So everybody's kind of staying in. I'm in a community of 150 people. And, so very small, very small. And addiction's very high here, very high. But I stay over here. <laughs> I don't cross that side of the tracks. <laughs> um, pardon me. 
So how long ago is that? How long have you been recovered? Um, five years. Five years. Congratulations. That is awesome. Yeah, five. Thank you. Five years. Um, it would have been six years, but I had a slip. I had to, I started all over again. Um, I know I have no willpower over my, over, over the drugs and alcohol. Yeah, I can leave it, but drugs, no. And somebody went, look what I got and threw it at me. And I smoked it obviously. And, uh, I never went back out though. I felt so ugly and dirty inside. Now I just hang out with the right bunch. I look for recovery anywhere, all the private groups. And I look for recovery and I look for people who want recovery because I love helping people. I have three people under me um, that I sponsor. And one girl's got three years, one girl's got two years, and one girl's got six months. And one guy's got four months. And I'm very proud of all of them. They've all come a long, long way because I never had that support. I had to go find it myself, but I offer it. They call me big mama in my, my, my community because mm. I love these kids. They're kids, very young, young adults. And I love them all equally. So what has recovery been like compared to your old life? How is like, how do you live versus you how you used to live well now i can hear the birds singing i'm not just passing out <laughs> um my old life I, I lived in a house in a bedroom i was always in my bedroom and as i had my little table with my stuff on it i never went out of the house i sent everybody else to get my stuff for me now i can go for walks and hold my head up if I did go out of the house, I'd wear sunglasses because I was ashamed, I think. But now I feel free. Why I didn't feel... you leave the house for that? Why did you used to send people? Was there a reason you didn't leave the house? Yeah, I was scared to leave the house that everybody knew what I was up to. And I was embarrassed about doing it. I was very embarrassed about being a, a crack addict, you know? And... Uh, I didn't want no one to know. And I don't know why. To this day, it's still a question. I'm trying to figure out why I hid in my house like I did. It was like I was scared to go out. Like everybody was looking at me and would point at me or laugh at me. Like when I was younger in school, like I was a very petite girl in school. And I used to get called names. But I was malnutrition. That's what that was. Um, I was very sickly when I was using, and then when I had the start of cirrhosis of the liver, that's when I knew if I didn't change, I was gonna, I was gonna die, and I wasn't ready to die. I want to meet my grandkids. I still haven't met my grandkids, and they're nine and four. I'm just building this relationship with my my daughter now, and I got my first Mother's Day this year in 13 years. I got my first Mother's Day. So recovery is worth it to me. And I can go anywhere now. I can go by myself and I feel fine. Before I always had to have my, my current husband with me or a friend, I was scared to go anywhere. 
and I don't know why. I just was. Well, I forget what they call it. Was it agoraphobia, possibly? The fear yeah. Of the it's the fear yeah, of leaving the house. Yeah, it's an awful, awful thing to have. I would pop a couple of razzapams and, and drink some vodka before I left the house, but not now. I don't take anything. Take an allergy pill. <laughs> yeah. That's it. But now I can walk with my head up, but it took a long time. A lot of psychiatry, a lot of self-love. Never loved myself before because of all the the abuse I suffered. But today I look myself in the mirror. And what I say every day, and it works, this 35-year this veteran in the programs told me, you look at yourself in the morning in the mirror and you say, I'm not going to use today. I'm going to use tomorrow. Say that every day. I still say it. Here I am five years later. I'm not going to use today. I'll use tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes because you're saying it day after day after day. And the man passed away from natural causes. And um, it sticks with me. I really had a lot of, um, he was my sponsor. And I have a lot of um, care and love for that man. He never gave up on me because I was a ruffian when I first got into the rooms. You know, I'd make it to three weeks and then relapse, make it to, it took me a good six months to get a hang on it and get my six months in. And once I got my six month key tag, I was like, oh, I want the one year now. Yeah. <laughs> now I like getting the multiple years. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> It's fun collecting stuff. For some reason, that's another thing we noticed with us addicts. Um, yeah, if you want one, let me know. I can send you. We have our sobriety chips and bracelets and stuff. That we'll would be about, awesome. Yeah, I'll talk about that after. I'll get your shipping address. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I'd love to be a part of your group. You see, I collect things. I collect owls now. Owls? Ever since, yeah, ever since I've been in recovery. Um, I don't know why they're wise and um, in my culture they're very wise and they're a protector and I even got a tattoo and it says never lose hope and I got that for my two year that's great and now I look at it and I'll get the odd craving trust me I still get cravings I always will and then I lift up my sleeve and I'm like oh that's right Never lose hope. You'll get through this craving and I'll go do find. I'll pick up my book, pick up a recovery book. I, I have a lot of recovery books and I'll pick up living clean or something and I'll read a chapter and the craving goes away. There's all kinds of weird things that I do to get rid of cravings from time to time. Yes, it's all about getting your brain off the craving. So by doing something else, it helps you focus on not cravings yeah exactly but a lot of people are scared to ask for help that they'll be judged and that's how I felt for you know for a long time I didn't want people judging me but you won't be judged people want to help you and you have to be honest with yourself you know oh yeah big time you have to find that higher power when I first started mine was a piece of macaroni <laughs> uh -huh. it was I found it on the floor I go I want that I don't want to use no more 
and we were in the grocery store and I said, I was talking to my husband now, he's an amazing man. And I said, I want recovery. And I looked down and there was a piece of macaroni. He goes, well, you got to find your higher power. I said, it's this piece of, I carried that piece of macaroni around for like two years. <laughs> now my higher power is the creator. She's beautiful. I talk to her every day. That's great. A lot of people find some type of belief or religion in their lives, and it really helps them. It's a good thing to have. Yeah. And, you know, if you, you can put your mind to it, but you need the support, and all you have to do is reach out to one person. And I learned that. You reach out to one person, and it's a chain reaction. That person will know somebody who can help you with trauma, say. And the trauma person will know somebody who can help you spiritually. And it was a chain reaction for me, you know? And yeah. now I'm very grateful for all those people. Journaling is a huge thing for me. I journal every day, three times a day. I journal. And it's not all about recovery. It's about self-love what i'm grateful for that day how i'm gonna love myself that day and then at the end of the day it's like did i accomplish what i wanted to accomplish in that 24 hours yep and i got a dog uh -huh. <laughs> after after a year i didn't get a goldfish i went and got a little pug chihuahua named lucky and i've had him I've had him, well, I've had him for nine years. And I remember my husband bought him actually for our wedding and um, wedding present. And I remember Lucky bringing me back to life in July of 2016. I woke up and he was like licking like the inside of my mouth. It was so disgusting. But I guess I overdosed a bit. And you know what? That's when I knew I had to change early. I didn't want to leave Lucky and my husband. My husband's 10 years younger than me and he's amazing. He's a hard worker and it wasn't fair to him, but he never gave up on me. And now I show my gratitude. I take care of him now. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So getting close to the end here, my last question for you is, do you have any advice for people listening and watching? Don't be scared. Reach out because you know what? You reach out and the newcomer is the one that keeps us old, older people here, older in recovery. It keeps us clean. Just remember you're living one second at a time and just remember that we all love you and, you know, and we want to help you reach out, reach out to your doctor. They can set you up with groups and you don't have to do everything they say, but remember, take the advice of your sponsor and the leaders in recovery. They love you and they, they will help you because you're worth it. That's all I have to say is you're worth it. Yeah, I think a lot of people, that's one of the things they need to work on is their self-worth and self-love. We were talking about the four pillars for the program of our program. And the first pillar is self-love. You need to love yourself in order to do anything to help yourself. 
Exactly. Yeah, so did you have anything else you want to throw in there or were you good to go? No, I'm good to go. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It feels good. I'll have another 24 now. There you go. Keep it going. And keep paying it forward like you're doing by doing this, you know, considered service work, sharing your story. Because I know people listen and they do they do relate to it. Mm -hmm. So people have told me that many times. Yes. So they you're definitely helping out. Perfect. All right. So hang tight there. And for everyone listening and watching, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. We are on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. If you go to our Facebook group under the events tab, you'll see that we do nightly Zoom meetings. It'll give you the Zoom ID as well as the password there. Also, that is all I have to say for today. So until next time, thank you.